Equipping today's college students to make their four years count for eternity. This is the Campus Outreach Podcast. What is the main idea of the Bible? And hey, also on the notebooks that we gave you, um, there's a place. I don't know where it is, but you can see um, a place to take notes. It's called God and Creation at the top. So if you want to do that, that'd be great. You don't have to, Um, but it'd be awesome. Yeah, so what's the main idea of the Bible? And I think that the main idea, the theme of the Bible, really from front to back, beginning to end, it is that it tells us the true story of the world, okay? The idea is is that the Bible isn't just a guide for us about how to be a better person. It isn't like a history textbook. Um, It isn't, you know, just the the secret tips of how to, you know, gain comforting words when maybe you're down or or disappointed or sad in life as a pick-me-up. Um, It is a story. It is the true story of the world. Why are we here? Why does that matter? What what is this all about? What is the point of all this? What does it mean to be me? What does it mean for me to be me? Maybe you're coming in um, to the the summer looking for some insight into some questions like that. And that's good. I hope that this summer can really help you and serve you. Um, But the true story of the world is the Bible's big idea. That's what it's painting. That's what Evan was saying, that this main meeting is going to be about every week. And that's significant. And he even mentioned this quote that I want to share with you guys um, because of this quote. So I think it's on the slides. But this is what, what Evan was saying. I can only answer the question, what am I to do if I first answer the question of what story do I find myself a part of? All right. So we've already, Evan already shared that. You, as you're looking at that quote, just think about it for a minute. Like if you want to make sense of your story, you got to know the big story. Okay, so here's the key question for us tonight. What is the story that you belong to? What is the story that you are caught up in today as you drive to Panama City Beach and spend the summer at Summer Beach Project? Is it the one where you're the main character or is it the one where God is the main character? And don't, don't answer too quickly, right? I know for me, like the story that I found myself a part of until after my freshman year of college at Troy, that's where I went, my purpose in life was just to be, to be liked. I just wanted to be liked. I wanted, to people, I wanted people to think that I was a good guy. And how I figured the best way to do that was to try to be smart, to try to be hardworking, and to try to be funny, okay? And everything that I did in life was kind of to, to prove that, to gain that. So I was, I was a pre-med, a double major at Troy. I graduated with a 4.0. I worked for Campus Outreach, you know, not using any of that biology. It's a great job, but it has nothing to do with biology. Um, and, and I wanted to be smart, right? To be liked, and if I was smart, I could be liked. But I, I rushed the fraternity because I, I also, you know, I, didn't, I wanted to, to have friends. Um, not that you can if you're not in a fraternity, but that's what I did. Um, and I was always trying to get, you know, the laugh out of my pledged brothers, right? That was, I wanted to be funny. I wanted to be liked. Um, and that was what all my life was about. And I didn't, I didn't know any better. And, and I, was left, I was left discontent and anxious and, and insecure and honestly aimless at times. And then I became a Christian 
at the end of my freshman year at Troy, and for the first time, my story started to make sense. Stuff started to click because I saw that it wasn't about me. I finally understood that, you know, I probably wouldn't have used these words, but that my story, it fit into God's bigger story. All right, and, and my life started to make sense. And so maybe we can all relate or you can relate to some of those feelings of discontentment, of anxiety, of insecurity, some of those big questions, you know, that maybe you're coming in with in the summer, which I had. What, is it, who, what does it mean for me to be me? Why are we here? Who am I? All right. And if you haven't had those questions or felt that sort of anxiety or aimlessness, maybe it's because you, you haven't thought much about it or maybe it's because you're... You're living, you're stuck living in, in, a, in the smallness of a story that's just about you. And this is a great opportunity this summer to think more deeply about your story. All right, to think more deeply about how you fit into this bigger story. I don't know if, of a better place than Summer Beach Project to do that. All right, so if we're gonna understand God's story, we gotta start with the beginning of that story, okay? God and creation, that's our topic. And I really just have three things, three ideas that I want to share with y'all about God and creation and the beginning of his story. And it's this. One, God is the maker. Two, what he makes is good. And then three, his masterpiece, though, is very good. So God is the maker. What he makes is good, but his masterpiece is very good. All right, so turn with me to the first sentence of your Bible. And this is what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right. There says a lot more after that. Let's stop right there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're not trying to hit every detail of, of Genesis 1 in the beginning. I just have a couple big ideas that I think that God has put on my heart. All right. So the first one is that God is the maker. And what I want us to see from, from that verse um, is, is that he's the creator. He's the originator. He's the author of the true story, all right, of the world. And as we just read, the Bible says, it says it starts with in the beginning. So part of what it means is that God has been there from the beginning. But if God is God, all right, then there is no beginning for him. Like he has always been. So what was God doing before he was the maker of creation? Have you ever thought about that? Like that thought, what was God doing before he created and there's, there's a lot of mystery there, all right? The Bible doesn't tell us much. It doesn't say a lot. But even what I want to tell you all at the beginning tonight is even that seeming silence is something great, okay? You know, there, there's just some things that are too big for us to, to grasp, for, for us to be able to wrap our minds around, comprehend about God um, and ourselves and the universe. And we got to be okay with some unknowns if we're going to walk the Christian life. But y'all, that is, that is actually a really good thing. That's a freeing thing. That we can be okay with, with some unknowns. That we have the freedom to say, I don't know if you're a Christian. <coughs> y'all, if I'm honest, that, that idea was one of the things that led me to Christ in the first place. All right, but this means to be able to say, I don't know, as a freeing thing means that, that we don't have to wait for all of our questions to be answered to come to God. We don't have to wait. Because Christianity 
is not about the strength of your faith, it is about the object of your faith. It is not about trying hard, you know, to have this like airtight, waterproof, bulletproof faith, confident. It's not about the strength of your faith. It is about the strength of, of who you put your faith in. That really counts. And I hope that that is just really freeing for some of y'all tonight, even as we start Summer Beach Project. Getting to know like the God of the Bible, it will consist of trusting him with just some things that are too big to grasp fully. People have thought about it and they still don't know for years and that was their only job. How may this idea help you this summer? All right. I hope, I hope you get some of your questions answered, y'all, here at Beach Project. I hope you have a stronger faith when you leave than when you started today, all right? But at the end of this thing, you're, you, you may still have some questions. You probably still will have some doubts. And, and for sure, there's gonna be some room for you to grow in your faith, even at the end of this thing. And, and that's the same for me. But it's okay, because you don't have to wait to come to God. You can come right now. All right, so what if this summer was just you taking one step forward towards knowing your maker, knowing this story that we're talking about, and knowing how your story fits into his? I think it would be a summer well spent. I really do. Okay, but, but back to creation. The maker, that's the first point. What was God the maker doing before he made? Before creation. And we just said there's some mystery there. We gotta be okay with that. That's actually incredibly freeing. Um, but the Bible does say that he was there before the beginning, meaning that he's always existed. And he's always existed as three separate, distinct persons all at the same time. Okay, so talk about another just thing that we're never going to be able to fully understand. I'm talking about the Trinity. That's what, the Trinity. Father, Son, and what? Holy Spirit. Okay. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. Everybody, are we following the Trinity? I know it's a big idea. I, I just have a couple of thoughts to help us understand who the Trinity is. All right. It, it, one, the fact that God is 100% the Father does not change the fact that he's also at the same time always 100% the Son, 100% the Holy Spirit. He is three separate, distinct persons. All right. Not just concepts or ideas, but persons. But he's all of those at one time because he's God. So another thought about the Trinity, and Hannah even mentioned this maybe a little bit, not exactly how I'm thinking about it, but the Trinity is personal, meaning that God is a personal God. All right, so before creation and now, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they talked, they, they interacted, they, they communicated. There was personalness to it. And the Trinity is also communal. Pretty much the same thing. Um, but before creation and now, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit live together. They, they commune together. That's what that community, communal means. And so God is that. He's personal, he's communal, and God is, is love. All right? He is love. God, the Trinity, before creation and now, all right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they weren't just loving. They... they God in, in the form of the Trinity embodied love. He is love. They are love. The, the, the Trinity is an eternal exchange of love. That's part of what it means. 
Y'all, y'all write that one down because here in a few weeks, <coughs> we're going to come back to that idea <coughs> and I'm going to say, hey, what did I say about the Trinity? What about that love thing? And I want somebody to be able to say, hey, eternal exchange of love and I'll give you some sort of parking pass or something. I don't know. <coughs> All right. So, so what was God doing before creation, before the beginning? He was existing as a personal, communal Love, eternal exchange of love because that's who the Trinity is. And then God, the Trinity, created the world. God is the maker of the world. And how did he do it? How did he do it? The Bible said he spoke. He spoke the world into existence, which, you know, maybe we've heard that if we've grown up in the church, but that is unbelievable. He spoke and, and the world was created. All right, but God is, if God is the maker, what does he make? What is his creation? All right, so this is the second idea. His creation, I don't think it's going to be like um, a revolutionary statement, but it's the heavens and the earth. He makes the world and he makes everything in it. And to help us understand that tonight, I want, when, when I say creation, I want to paint it as creation equals home. Creation equals home. Home equals God is a homemaker, okay? And the home that he made, it it was perfect, okay? Let me show you what I mean. But before I do, um, just a little personal. I've never shared this. Like, I've shared this with Margaret as she was helping me think about tonight. But literally, I never shared this with anybody else. So whatever, it's, it's, I'm letting you guys in on it. I love HGTV, all right? I, I understand that, you know, if you're, if you're a man, you're not supposed to watch that or something, I love it, okay? Chip and Joanna Gaines down in Waco, Texas. Okay, Property Brothers, those guys are handsome and they are super talented. House Hunters, like all of it, I, I, like, I like watching it. Okay, that's some of the secret, but the other one is that when I go to the gym, which it's, I mean, it's not all the time, but when I go to the gym, and yes, I get on the treadmill because cardio is good for somebody like me. And when I get on the treadmill at the gym, I'm looking for the perfect one, the sweet spot. And it's the one that's right in between ESPN over here and HGTV. All right. And if it ain't like that, I get the Planet Fitness person to change the TV. I say, hey, um, this lady, she was trying to get HGTV over here. She went to get some water. Okay. And why do I do that? It ain't to watch ESPN. But I want all the people, all the guys that are coming in there to think that's what I'm watching so that I can focus on HGTV. Okay. I'm just being honest. That's my secret okay i probably have more deeper darker secrets i'll tell you later in my life as we are progressing this summer but anyways what the heck does this have to do with where we're going if you've ever watched hgtv it is always about the dream home right that's what they're all doing they're trying to refurbish the dream home they're trying to build it from scratch they're trying to make you know two homes into one i don't know what they're doing they're trying to make the dream home okay and what is true about every dream home? One, there's, there is order. Everything's got a place, like the floor plan, even the throw pillows. I don't care for throw pillows necessarily, but even those, there's order. Thank you. Um, there's precision, right? There's little crown molding details everywhere. You know, all the, all the corners are super nice, whatever. I don't know, the floor plan is what I'm trying to say. There's order, there's precision, Okay. And then there's harmony, like the colors don't clash. I don't even know how, what that means. I don't know what goes together, 
But when you look at it, it there is harmony. All the furniture, it is it is um, functional, like you can sit in it. But it's it is it is just made in a pla- pla- in a way that's harmonious. And then lastly, there's beauty, right? Like you look at it, there's natural light, every room, um, you know. But and, and a home is functional again. But more than anything, it is it is pleasing to the eye. That's what a dream home is. Those things. You may not know where I'm going with this. I hope you do. God, the maker, creates the world. And he creates the skies and the nature and animals um, and and the sunsets and everything. And it is meant to be the dream home of all dream homes. And later on in in the story that we're talking about, in, in creation of Genesis 2, he gives it a name. He gives that perfect home a name. He calls it the Garden of what? Do y'all know anybody? Yeah. Garden of Eden. And as God is making it, what, what Hannah said in her video, what he's saying over and over again is, behold, it was good. Behold, it was good. It was good. So much so that when he's done, like when he finishes making the world, he sits down and he just, he just marvels in the beauty of what he's just made. And he, rest, he rests and he enjoys it. God is the maker. And what he makes is good and it is a perfect home. All right, but if you've ever seen any show on HGTV about these dream homes, you know, what are you supposed to be left thinking at the end of the show? I don't know. I have one thought, that, and it is this. I would kill to live in a place like that. Man, I want to live in that 10-bedroom, three-pool, you know, Hollywood, Miami... Uh, dream home. I want to live there. I would kill to live there because a home is not just made to be looked at or to be admired. It is made to live in. A home is made to live in. A home is for people, which brings us to our last thought for tonight from Genesis 1. God is the maker. What does he make? A home, creation, and it is good, but his masterpiece is very good. And what is his masterpiece? It's not the heavens or the earth. It's not the, you know, the constellations or the Milky Way or, you know, whatever the like prettiest animal to you is. It's none of those things. That's not the masterpiece. It is us. It is people. God saves his best work for last. And and we are the crown of his creation, his masterpiece. And how do we see that? In this passage, we're going to jump down a a good bit of verses in in Genesis 1 to verse 26. Okay, we see that because people are made in the very image of God. That's what it says. Let us make mankind in our image. All right, and and did y'all catch that? He doesn't say, let me make mankind in my image. Us and our, it is plural. This This is Trinity language. The communal relational God makes communal and relational people, beings. To enjoy and share his creation, but also to live in it as their home. And he makes Adam and Eve to live in the garden as our representatives, Adam and Eve. These are our representatives of mankind to live in the garden as his masterpiece. So what is this image of God thing all about? I want to just share a couple thoughts. Nothing else in creation, y'all, is imprinted 
with the image of God like Adam and Eve are, like they are. Not a rock, not the most beautiful sunset. Mankind is the only thing in all of creation that was made to to display and embody the very image of God. And, And they didn't even have to try. They didn't have to like turn on their image of God switch. It was innate about who they were. Man. And that image bearing capacity is true, not just for Adam and Eve, but for all people. Whether you're like the greatest Christian to ever live or, you know, a murderer, um, Satan worshiper, you know, just the worst person ever. It doesn't matter. All people are made in the image of God and can re- and reflect his image. And that doesn't, that doesn't matter. Um, what, what, what I'm trying to say is, y'all, you are made in the image of God and that is incredible. That is, a, that is a special reality that can never be stamped away from you, stamped out of who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you believe about Jesus or God or anything. God has made you in his image and that will always be true. And so hold, like, I want to say hold your head up. Like hold your head up. And then it leaves us with the question, like do you view yourself in others as image bearers of God? Let's keep unpacking this idea just a little bit further by discussing gender just for a second, all right? So in verse 27 of Genesis 1, where we're at, God created man in his own image, right? The image of God, he created him. Then it says male and female, he created them. As image bearers, we are either male or we are female. And that is significant. Why? Because men, men and women bear the image of God in, in equally incredible ways, in many of the same ways, but also in a few distinct ways. And, and, and all of that is glorious. It is significant. It is important. And it's important because men are unable to bear the full image of God on their own. And women are unable to bear the full image of God on their own. We need each other. We need each other to do that. Both genders. All right, so here's a potential application. What if this summer was a place for you to form friendships, real, like, meaningful relationships with God and with others, both men and women? Like, you need that. I I need that. The world needs that. All right, so, so the masterpiece. Men and women, image bearers of God, these are the masterpiece. Made for connection, yeah. Made to reflect God, yes. But as I said before, made, made to live in the home that God created for them. Made to live in the home that God created for them. And we really see uh, the importance of that through their purpose. All right, what, as they live in the home, what is their purpose? What is the purpose for Adam and Eve? And that, that it, it, it's really framed up in this way is what I was thinking, okay? Not only do Adam and Eve get to live or stay in, that, in the dream home, but God gives them a set of keys to the front door. Like they have access. So verse 28, this is what it says. 
Genesis 1, 28. And God blessed them, all right, male and female, he blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish in the sea, over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing. So what this verse, verse 28 shows us is that when Adam and Eve moved in, God gives them a set of keys to the front door. And these keys, they're connected to their purpose. And their purpose is what? What what are they to do? They get to partner with God in keeping the home and taking care of the family business. They get to partner with God in keeping the home and taking care of the family business and running the family business. It's their responsibility to do that. And in, in the story of Genesis 1, it is their privilege. Okay? To be like God in the way that they care for the home and, and that they run the family business. To be like God, that's what it means to be an image bearer. Part of what it means. And then what else does it say about their purpose in this Genesis 1 account, this true story of the world? It says they are to be fruitful and it says they are to multiply and to fill the earth and to subdue it. Okay, so any homeowners in the, in the, in the crowd? Any renters of off-campus apartments? Anybody want to be a homeowner one day? Okay, we got a lot of them in here. So, all right, if you got a home, there's work to be done inside the home. You got projects you got to take care of. Um, You got to clean. There's maintenance. And that work in the home that God created for Adam and Eve, um, it is good and it is connected to their purpose. And, and, And then not only... Do you do the project maintenance and stuff like that inside of a home as, as work? But man, you, there's the joy of one day getting to fill that home with the family, right? Like that, that's a hope. Like when, when we moved into our home in Troy, that was one of the things we said. Hey, I don't know when. I don't even know if it's going to happen. Um, but maybe God would let us start our family here in Troy and live in this home. It was part of the purpose. Okay. So there's work to be done inside of a home. There's work to be done outside of a home. All right? You got to cut the grass. If you live on a farm, I guess, you got, you got to take care of the animals. Okay? You got to run the family business. And that's what Adam and Eve get, get charged with. Work inside of the home. Work outside of the home. And it is connected to a big purpose. So when God gives a set of the keys over to them, to Adam and Eve are representatives for mankind in our story. It is their responsibility and it is their privilege, their joy to partner with God, to, to, to be like God in running and keeping the what? The two things. Keeping the what? The home and running the what? The family business. All right? It's their joy and their responsibility. And, and why is that? It's to see like the home be taken care of, to see the home, um, be, to flourish, to see it be good. And God really has confidence in Adam and Eve here. You know, he gives them, he has some confidence in them. Okay, the true story of the, of the Bible, the beginning, God and creation. How does this apply to you and me? Or really even just this purpose stuff in some ways, but more than that. In a, in a similar way as image bearers living in the good home, all right, it's no longer perfect. We're going to get to that like it once was. But living in the good home that God has given us, we get to partner with him. 
and keeping the home and running the family business, as I'm saying. And that, it's harder, it's, a, it's more complicated now, but that is an incredibly important task. And it is a, it ought to be a responsibility, but a privilege for us as well. Just like it was for Adam and Eve. As image bearers, we get to be like God. And that's not blasphemous to say. Like that, we get to be like God in who we are, just in who we are as image bearers, we're like God, but also in our purpose as image bearers in the ways that I've been talking about as well. And that is unreal. Okay, how are we still hanging in there? We're wrapping it up? So the last point just to, 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 for, that I want to make about this Genesis 1 and that God say, you know, saves his best for last, the masterpiece, being us, being Adam and Eve, is in verse 31, and we'll be really brief here. Hannah mentioned this in her testimony as well. And God saw everything that he made. This is after he makes Adam and Eve, and he says, it is very good. So after everything God made, again, just the skies, the animal, the earth, food, he keeps repeating, this is good. And aren't all these things that, that I just mentioned good gifts from God? said creation equals home. I wanted to think about that. All those things, um, the earth, food, animals, nature, the sky, that's almost like God's housewarming gift to Adam and Eve, right? But he saves the best for last. He saves the best for last. Adam and Eve, he says they are very good in this verse. The image bearers that he makes, these are the masterpiece. And, and, we are held like in his heart, really close to him, as very good to him. You are his masterpiece. And you are a big deal. And, and what you do with your summer matters a lot, y'all, because of that reality, that truth. What you do with your life, it is, it is so significant because you are an image bearer of God. And if you don't remember anything from tonight, I really, I hope that you just remember that. All right, so we're going to recap. Genesis 1, God is the maker, okay? And his creation, it is good. What he makes is good. It's a perfect home, and he calls it the Garden of Eden, but it wasn't very good. That is reserved for his masterpiece. Image bears, Adam and Eve specifically, but men and women in general, you and me, and how do they bear his image? By, by keeping the home and by running the what? The family business. All right, and they, they, they get to do that by using the keys that God gives them to partner with him in doing that. Okay, so if all that's true, what, what should be your response? How should that affect how you view this summer? Man, your response should be gratitude and awe. Like it should be just thanks, thankfulness, and, and, you know, wonder. Don't let the good gifts and the good home become God in your life. And maybe that's been true for you. Are you grateful for the housewarming gifts that he's given you? Or have they become more than that to you? More important than the maker. And are you in awe of just the significance that is entailed with being made in the very image of God? Or are you, are you asleep to that reality? 
have you, have you, have you thought about that much? And y'all, if I'm honest, I'm not grateful like I should be for, for the perfect, the good home now that God has given us, given me all the gifts. I'm not in awe of being an image bearer. Like, honestly, that feels almost like overwhelming. Like you are made in God's image. I, I feel, I feel too small sometimes. I don't feel like that big of a deal. And I get in, in my own feelings about everything and I'm insecure. And I, I just feel sometimes overwhelming to say, you know, just, I just, I just, maybe you can relate to that feeling of, of feeling like you don't bear God's image well. And what I want to say is it's because we don't. We don't. I don't reflect the image of God perfectly or even well at times. But y'all, there was one, there was an image bearer who did just that. He reflected, he displayed the image of God to all of creation. And he did that perfectly. And that's because he was God. And it's, it's Jesus. In Colossians 1.15, I love how this verse connects to this Genesis passage. It says, it calls him, Jesus, the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of all creation. I hope you'll want to find out more about this perfect image bearer. I hope you want to do that with me this summer, with us this summer. And really just the only application that I've already said is what if this summer you just took one step forward to, toward knowing your maker knowing the story that he's created, that he's made, the story, the true story of the Bible, and and seeing how your story, how your life fits into that. I think it would be, I think it would be a summer well spent. I really do. So let me pray and we'll keep going with the meeting. God, I thank you for tonight and just getting everybody here safely. Um, God, we, we have so many thoughts about this summer, myself included, and things we want to see happen and questions as we've been saying, and even just maybe a lot of, you know, do I really belong at like a Christian, you know, eight-week discipleship program? Like, what am I doing? I pray that we would just see, if, if we think we belong here, God, and we think that we know, all that it means to be made in your image, God, I pray that you would humble us this summer. I pray that you would show us that, that, that we don't know what it means to be made in your image, that we have room to grow. And God, I pray that if we, uh, if we need to be just holding our head up, as I said, with the reality that we are made in God's image, that we are made in your image to be like you, and that that has massive implications and, and effects on our life, I pray that we would, we would just find so much power in that and worth and value and dignity in being made in your image, God. I pray that this would help us for the rest of this uh, main meeting time, just this first talk, um, that it would set the, some, some groundwork for us, God. And I thank you for all these friends of mine. Uh, I'm excited. I pray that we would have a lot of fun um, at the social that's coming next. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.